Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the East, where this crisis was at its most acute, Russian forces have struggled to make advances. In Kharkiv, the country's second largest city, the Kremlin's troops met what's emerging as a defining feature of this conflict. Stiff, unified and resolute Ukrainian resistance. Today, the Ukrainian people may have the world's support and more weapons, but they're in this fight alone. Now, a U.S. official telling ABC News a $350 million package of lethal defensive aid will also include portable surface-to-air missiles. Welcome to the new Cold War. USA help Ukraine, they were chanting there. I've been looking forward to talking to Mike Lyons all weekend because I have questions that only he can answer. Mike holds a Bachelor of Science degree from the United States Military Academy at West Point. He served with various military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career and uh, knows what he's talking about. Mike Lines, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be back. You know, it. Uh, we've talked to you, I don't know, what, four times in the last weeks because so much mm-hmm. changes in any 24-hour yeah. period. So much changed over the weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. for, first of all, your initial impressions of how the weekend went. Good for Ukraine. Ukraine wins by not losing and um, seeing more evidence that this was really a very poorly planned um, strategic operational mover by the Russians. Um, they looked at this more, as I see now, as a special op, not necessarily this blitzkrieg attack in multiple echelons, bring everything to bear at once, combined arms, Navy, air, strategic weapon. None of that happened. Um, they ended up coming in through Ukraine on main roads. You know, we were going to wait for the ground to freeze and have them, you know, be able to travel across the countryside. None of that happened. They decided to come in on the roads. They've been picked off. They've been bogged down. They've run out of gas. Their, their logistics and communication lines have all been broken. So Ukraine has clearly exceeded expectations it's not over by any stretch but um that there's no question that the russians are are clearly bogged down right now and let's see if they learn let's see if anything changes but uh, the situation is still still pretty dire for the ukraine citizen do you think putin looked at afghanistan and saw what happened for instance in kabul the way you know the taliban showed up outside of town the president left they just walked in there and took over there was no Mm -hmm. resistance did putin think that was going to happen in ukraine yeah, I think so. I think he thought that they were going in as liberators. They're clearly invaders. Um, while there are certain parts of Ukraine that are uh, more aligned with Russia, let's say, in, in, um, in Kharkiv, for example, a town that, that if, maybe if they had a vote, they might decide to go back to, to join Russia. However, you're seeing now videos of that town being bombed, civilians being killed. Um, you know, war crimes happening now, laying laying out there clearly. So, um, what's happened in Kiev, the, the capital, has just been incredible. I think you're going to see, and, and the leadership shown um, by the president, by Zelensky, is just something we haven't seen since you know since the Second World War. So he, he's he's now taken his forces and he's put them across. You know, while well, we think it's three major axes, it's really seven approaches to these places. I, it doesn't look like he wanted to destroy these cities. He wanted to encircle them and kind of. Chuck them off, but he still can't even get close to, to many of them right now. Uh, a quick aside before we get to the specific military stuff again, I was talking earlier uh, in the show about we saw the great man of history, the great man theory of history play out over the week, because if Zelensky had taken our president's advice 
and left mm-hmm. the country. How different yeah. is the story than him in camo on the street with his cell phone saying, I'm still here. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Yeah, it, it crumbles. I, I it, you know, we've our country's been blessed. We've we talked about this, that we've always had the kind of the right person at the right time the right spot not sure we have it right now but they sure do uh with that guy you know there enduring the hardship um in camo in, in you know talking to people on the ground defending in place so um that that that's a combat multiplier for that, those civilians there it also shows you what it's like when a country has these kinds of weapons scattered out in the civilian a community, it, you know, they're going to fight if they ever get inside these cities. There, it's going to be a literally a building to building kind of block to block fight. It's going to go on. It's going to go on uh, for a long time. So let's let's hope cooler heads can prevail. But boy, what an inspirational leader that president's been. So you said something a couple of years ago. I wish I'd have written it down because it always sticks in my head. I know, I know. The second half, of the you said something, something, something is easy. The real challenge, the real where the rubber meets the road, the real talent is in logistics. And that's yeah. what we're seeing play out here, I guess, is, is the ability to get gasoline to your trucks and food and et cetera. Yeah, tooth to tail ratio for this um, heavy ar- armored column is incredible. It's like five to one. What that means is they've got to have almost five uh, vehicles to, to reload and, and to rearm and, and refuel those tanks. And, and again, some of the pictures I've seen are incredible. The tops blown off of some of those T-80 tanks. That's the, those are world-class tanks. I, I cannot imagine if the same thing was happening to American forces here. We would be absolutely losing our minds. Um, but the bottom line is coming from where they started in the eastern part of Ukraine, it's about 400 miles to get to the city where they want to go. That's a really long supply line. So those tanks get maybe eight gallons to the mile. They just they have to be refueled all the time. Um, and then, again, they're on the main roads. We're seeing these javelins and the, and the Ukraine citizens literally picking off these convoys, and they're not able to, to refuel. And so now the tank becomes a pillbox, a sitting target. And while it's a, still a pretty good pillbox, you, you pound that thing enough, um, you're going to get the guys out of it and the tank defeated. So I, I just cannot get over the fact that the Russians didn't factor this. They haven't learned from it. I, I, they really thought it was just not going to go this way. They thought it was going to blitzkrieg their way in. It just hasn't worked out. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is I, I kept hearing reports over the weekend as, as world opinion changed, you know, in a 24, 48 hour period, Germany going from, uh, you know, we're not helping with anything to hell. Yeah, we'll help. We'll send weapons. We'll we'll right. we'll join in on the uh, the sanctions, all that sort of stuff. But all these different countries, including the United States, pledging stinger missiles or anti-tank weapons right. or whatever. How long does it take to get them there? None of the reporting ever includes, and they'll get them in May, or they'll get them tomorrow. I don't have any sense of that. Well, this is a good example of when they want to, countries can kind of clear their desks, right? I mean, like when when, when you kill a cop in New York City, the cops all clear their desks, and all they focus on is that one thing, is finding the guy who did it. Well, that's what's going to happen here, and countries are going to clear their desks, and they're piling supplies in, into aircraft right now, cargo aircraft, and they're getting it to Poland as fast as can. We're going to pour in the kind of combat material that they're, that they're going to need. It looks like that border is still open to get the material to the, the Ukrainians and the civilians that are there. So uh, you're going to be surprised. You're going to see a lot of things hit in the next, I'd say, 24 to 48 hours. Really? So within 24 hours, yeah. some of that stuff will yeah. be hitting the country. That's fantastic. That's- yeah, it's going to be good news, and this is what happens. And what the Germans did is just 
beyond belief on some level. I mean, given what, you know, you saw Donald Trump tried to get uh, Merkel to do that back a couple of years ago, and Germany had been fundamentally indefensible of what, you know, their, their military is, is not deployable. They can't, they've not done anything, and the fact that they're not going to spend 2%, let's get them to 3%, let's get them to the point where they can defend themselves, but this has been a tremendous wake-up call for all of Europe, and let's let Europe, let's let, let some of those countries lead at this point. Yeah. And let's let's provide the logistics. Let's do what we do well. And we're, again, we're going to pour in that combat equipment. I think it's going to be great. So, uh, getting back to to Russia's failures again, do you think mm-hmm. they're just not a good military? Uh, they made some bad assumptions, but they still have massive principles of war on their side, and that's why it's it's not over. Um, and, and I'm just still concerned. And then when the atrocities start and providing the off ramp, all those things are still going to be important here for to try to figure this out. Um, the Russians aren't a dumb military. They learn. And the question is, how, how fast are they going to learn? Um, and w- are they going to try to get more troops there? Are they going to consolidate their axes of advance? There's there's a, an economy of, of, of scale taking place on certain parts as they try to hold off the Ukraine military from, from cutting off and moving um, Russian advancing units on the city right now. I think I think the focus is Kiev. Kiev is the center of gravity. Um, there's reports of um, the the Wagner Group, which are basically mercenaries. Mercenaries are also going to start pouring in from all sides. Americans, you're going to see British, you're going to see all kinds of crazy people now pouring in there to try to fight this war. But but we know Wagner, which is basically the little green men that uh, have been in these places before. They're now looking specifically to try to assassinate Zelensky and some of the people there because Putin thinks if he could take the leadership out, then the rest of the, the country falls. That might have been true a week ago. I, yeah. I think he kills Zelensky. He's doomed. I think the world rises up. Everybody's, uh, I saw a, a tweet yesterday. They said, guys, just get used to it. Your wife or your girlfriend is in love with Zelensky. I mean, the, yeah. the world yeah. has, has come to respect this guy at such a level. I think Putin takes him out. There's going to be yeah. so much anger and, and, and wanting to uh, not let him die in vain. He'll be a martyr. Yeah, and as we talked about, this is all being filmed. I mean, I, I had a hard time looking at that that video of him and his group and oh. reinforcing folks saying we're here. And yep. I'm, just, I'm saying this guy could be dead in 48 hours. I, I just I'm struggling with the civilized world letting that happen. And I'm, I'm just glad that, that Europe woke up and let's let's pour in these these uh, reinforcements of supplies that we can. And let's do, do all we can to keep the Ukraine uh, military from not losing. That's really what this is all about. It's going to be difficult to de- totally defeat, although the fact that they've killed, it looks like, you know, they've destroyed over almost 200 tanks. It's unth- it takes a lot of guts to sit there with, even with that javelin, we, we act like it's a video game. That thing is not as simple as it is. You have to paint that target. You have to, it's going to have a signature. You're going to be under fire yourself. It's a pretty gutsy thing to do to kill a tank, and we've killed a whole bunch of them there, it looks like right now. Oh, and you saw the story probably of the guy who blew himself on, up on the bridge to take the bridge out before right. the Russians could advance. I mean, it's just, the, the, the stories of heroism are absolutely unbelievable. Believable. But yeah. I keep bracing for, you know, I, a lot of the world didn't follow what was going on in Syria when Russia was bombing hospitals and that sort of thing. And you just wonder, when does Russia decide, OK, we're going to we're going to do what we did in Syria? Well, this is still on being filmed. I think that's going to be the issue here versus there. It wasn't as, it, it, as prevalent in terms of what we saw on the Internet. Elon Musk has now opened up his SATCOM systems. And so, so you know, the Russians have not deployed the kind of cyber uh, defenses or the cyber offenses that we thought were going to happen. They haven't shut the lights off. They haven't really shut that down yet. So I think, that's, I think that's all part of it. This is all going to be on tape, and people are seeing it, you know, every day. I think that's a big part of it. Well, he's got to be careful with the cyber. We were talking last hour on NATO with the warning of, uh, you know, well, 
will now consider we may consider cyber attacks uh, for Article of Five. So, you know, you shut off the power in Ukraine and it also shuts off the power in Poland. And we might take a look at that. I hope we are on a a somewhat of a high alert status here in our country for it, because that's where it'll come from. It'll come without Russian fingerprints, but it'll fundamentally come from there. Um, cyber is that domain that oversees everything, and um, we're at a place where if we decide, we've got to be careful. If we decide to go on the offensive, there, there's still a lot of unintended consequences that happen. Uh, that also could happen to him. We, we saw him put his units on higher alert. He said that publicly. Now we've done this in the past ourselves. We just don't put it out publicly. We, we, it just kind of you know kind of gets out there. I think we've got to be concerned about that as well. Mike Lyons, you never disappoint. Um, really great to talk to somebody with your knowledge. Thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, that that's some good stuff right there. That is some good stuff right there. It is it is public opinion worldwide. That's what changed everything. That's why Putin can't do the things that he has done in other countries when we weren't paying attention, um, for whatever reason. And uh, so all these people in the streets. In, in, in cities all around the world, giant, giant crowds all over the world in support of the Ukrainians. And uh, if Putin has any you know rationality left in him, he realizes this is going the wrong direction. And then if I take out Zelensky, bomb a hospital, anything like that, uh, it is going to do me more harm than good militarily. Anyway, we got a lot more on the way. I hope you can stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Many analysts were surprised Putin went through with the invasion, even though it was obviously going to be a colossal mistake. But he couldn't back down after all that buildup. Kind of like how NBC still had to go through with airing the Winter Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Russia is Kanye. The Ukraine is Kim Kardashian. And uh, NATO was Pete Davidson. And, And it just it just drives Russia crazy. I um I realize you're just trying to set up a premise for a joke there on Saturday Night Live, but the premise though it was going to be a mistake for Russia. It's not. It's not clearly, clearly yet obviously a mistake for Russia. I remember being told it was a mistake for Russia to go into Chechnya, and Georgia, and Crimea, and to get involved in Syria, and he ended up on the better end of all of those for his own country. Putin did. Uh, now, he's never faced this kind of resistance, not only um, on, on the streets, but just worldwide opinion, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's not over yet, as Mike Lyons just told us a little bit ago. Uh, a couple other stories from different fronts. Over the weekend, the new governor of New York, that's the lady that replaced old uh, Gropi Cuomo, she announced that New York is dropping their mask mandates for schools, I believe, what, March 1st or 2nd, so tomorrow or the next day. Um, so they're no longer going to make schools. Statewide mandates at this point are just ridiculous. The, if you look looked at a map, 
COVID varies so much, always has, but especially now. It varies so much from one area to another. Plus, the politics are so different from one area to another. The idea that you're going to have a statewide mandate. But anyway, uh, New York is dropping their statewide mask mandate. And is California going to? Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, is going to make a big announcement today. And uh, nobody's exactly sure which direction he's going. But I have a feeling it's a political decision. And has to do with the fact that two dozen at least schools so far in California have announced that they're going to ignore the mask mandate. You can't have 24 school districts ignoring your mask mandate and still pretend that you've got a mask mandate. You either have to enforce it or you have to back down. And I think he's going to pretend, the governor of California, he's going to come out and pretend today that the science has changed. It's not because the schools are ignoring me. It's not because New York made an announcement and we'd be the only blue state still doing this nonsense. Nope, I talked to a scientist and he got out his beaker and his lab coat and his stethoscope over the weekend and convinced me that, no, it's a political decision. They got polls. They got politicians, and and he's going to announce that they're 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 backing off the mask mandate. I hope, of course, the local schools will get to continue to enforce it if they won't, and I'm sure many of them will. Um, what what? Oh, Target raising minimum wage to twenty four dollars an hour in some areas. Obviously, probably like L.A., San Francisco, New York, whatever. Cost of living is high, but you got to do what you got to do to get employees. Twenty four dollars an hour to work at freaking Target. To wear the red vest. Huh? To say, no, we're out of that right now. Check back later. I could do that. Um, That's something. We got a lot more on all these stories on the way. If you miss an hour, grab the podcast armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We are seeing uh, oligarchs even uh, sending out uh, messages of peace. Very careful messages, I I should say. Look, I mean, the question that people are asking quietly behind closed doors is, could President Putin be removed? Uh, There was one cynical message that uh, someone I spoke to uh, got from a friend, a Russian friend, and they raised that question of, could, could President Putin be removed? And they, and they kind of jokingly, half-jokingly said, well, first you'd have to isolate for two weeks and do multiple PCR tests before you could get close to him. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about how isolated he is. Uh, and it tells yeah. you a lot about the challenges of the inner circle around him. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk that uh, Putin is among the. He should live in my town. He is among the most paranoid about COVID of all world leaders. And he went into, uh, you know, bunker mode over the last two years. I don't know if it's his age or if he's a germaphobe or, or, or what, but he really hunkered down over the last couple of years, has really limited the, um, the number of people that he's in contact with and may have gotten a warped view of the world and his own power. There's also, oh, that was, uh, Keir Simmons, by the way, of MSNBC. He's in, uh, Russia and, uh, a number of reporters, with the story that for the first time really in 22 years of Putin being in power, there are rumblings of how do we get rid of this guy at various levels? 
Uh, they were discussing what is being known as as the Caesar option on Meet the Press yesterday. The Caesar option would be, you know, Caesar was surrounded by a bunch of people decided he needed to go, and they all stabbed him. And they all took a turn stabbing him so that they would all be uh, in it together. Um, are there people that could get to Putin and take him out? Um, I think he, uh, I think he's pretty careful of who he, who he lets get very close would be my guess. The ambassador from Ukraine to the United States was on ABC this week yesterday and put the whole thing in pretty stark terms. We had uh, lost so many of our Jewish brothers and sisters in Holocaust on our territory. And one of the very famous survivors of Holocaust, Ellie Wiesel, said that you always have to take sides because the silence or neutrality always helps the oppressor and never those that are oppressed. So it's time to take sides and it's time to take Ukrainian side because we are defending our home. It's a time to take sides, and there's no such thing as not choosing a side, because if you don't choose a side, it helps the oppressor. That is clearly true. The world is taking sides in the last 72 hours. Where we are today, Monday, is so much different than the position we were a week ago, and even on Friday, when... Uh, on Friday, Germany wasn't allowed. They weren't going to send any arms. They wouldn't allow other countries they'd sold arms to to pass them along to Ukraine. They uh, a week ago they weren't in, they weren't even going to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. They were going to still buy natural gas from Russia. All that has changed in a couple of days, and I think a lot of it just because of the face and the voice of President Zelensky and him uh, saying, "I'm not going anywhere and risking his life and his family's." lives to stay there and defend his country and um the rest of the world saw that and thought you know we can't just hang this guy out to dry and now all kinds of countries have come forward and are doing things they haven't done in my lifetime switzerland's president just announced that they will join the eu and their sanctions including asset freezes targeting russia it's the oldest joke in the world about putting your money in a Swiss bank. I remember hearing that on Bugs Bunny when I was a kid. That's where you put your money because they they've famously been neutral. You know, you put your money here, we don't we don't ask questions, we don't say anything. Well, even Switzerland saying, "We're joining with the EU, we're going after these Russian oligarchs." They are the sort of people that could bring Putin down one way or another. Now, the question at this point is, does Putin do we have that Mitt Romney clip we opened the show with? describing what Putin is at this point? John McCain was was right. He said he looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes and saw the KGB. And that's what we're seeing. A small, evil, feral-eyed man. Mm, Small, evil, feral-eyed man. I got to remember that phrase. That's pretty good. Uh, But does the small, evil, feral-eyed man decide, I'm not going to go down without a fight. I'm not just going to be removed from office or assassinated by somebody. I think that's a pretty unlikely scenario. Um, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to go down as one of the great men in history with a nuke, with obliterating Ukraine and taking it over, and at least going out a winner in his eyes. That is the worry by a lot of military strategists that Putin has a lot more hell he could unleash. He's just been holding back because, as Mike Lyons told us earlier this hour, uh, there, there are video cameras on him. What was going on in Syria? Not that many people were paying attention. 
And, and we talked about it at the time. Why aren't more people paying attention to this? Russia would bomb hospitals. Kill all the doctors and nurses and patients in the hospital. And it would barely make a blip on the news. Now, why is that? Ida B. Wells, do you know her that name? She's the person behind the 1619 Project, the has-been-debunked 1619 Project, for which the New York Times won so many Pulitzer Prizes. Um, I'm assuming you know her act. Well, she has been uh, making the rounds on Twitter, talking about how, um, well, I'll just read you one of her tweets. We should care about Ukraine, but not because it's European or the people appear white or they are civilized and not impoverished. All people deserve to be free and be welcomed when their countries are at war. And if you follow her Twitter thread, she's basically uh, implying that the world is rallying behind Ukraine because they're white and doesn't care when this happens to African countries or Middle Eastern countries. There is some truth to that. There is some truth. I said this before it even started. That this was going to look different to the world when you saw a town that looks like Omaha and people driving cars that look like the cars you drive, wearing clothes that look like the clothes you wear, being bombed from the sky from an evil dictator. But I think it's human nature that you would react to seeing people that look like you. And I don't mean skin color, um, although that could play a role. Um, Just lifestyle. Um, You see that and you think, well, that could happen here. I don't want that to happen here. What do, I, what do I have to do to be on the side of stopping this madman? Uh, but as Tim Sandifer uh, retweeted her tweet, Ida B. Wells' tweet, and said, if, if, the, if, the, uh, if NATO or the United States went into some of these African countries the way she's suggesting maybe we ought to, we'd be accused of imperialism or, or uh, you know, telling other races how they should live their lives, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which there's definitely truth to that. Um... How did the ceasefire talks go? That was announced early yesterday. Nobody expected it to do do much. You had some Ukrainian officials and some Russian officials meeting on the border. Russia uh, initially said, let's meet in Belarus. And Zelensky said, we're not going to meet in a country that's helping you. So they met on the Ukrainian side of the border. But how did that go? We have some preliminary reports. Can tell you about that in just a few minutes. If you're worried about crime in the United States of America, and you should be, people's impression that crime is up is up. Crime is up. That's where the impression came from. Uh, you need Simply Safe. Simply Safe Home Security, sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Have you ever wondered what's going on in your home when you're not there, in or outside? How about their wireless outdoor camera from Simply Safe? That's absolutely fantastic. It lets you see what's happening outside right from your phone. You could be sitting at work, check your phone, and see what's in the backyard or the front or wherever. You can put the camera wherever you want. They're battery operated, and you can uh, just set them up wherever you want. By the way, the whole Simply Safe thing you can set up in around 30 minutes. It's the best home security system you can get, according to a bunch of publications. Yet, you can get Simply Safe for less than a dollar a day. No long term contracts or commitments. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So they had the ceasefire talks. Nobody expected much to come out of it, and it looked like, that looks like not much did. Ukrainian and Russian delegations met today on Ukraine's border with Belarus. It's unclear yet if anything was yielded from those talks. 
Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky's office said Kiev's delegation would demand an immediate ceasefire. Of course you would. Um, Ukraine sent its defense minister, which is a pretty high position, and other top officials. The Russian delegation is led by Putin's advisor on culture, which obviously is an unlikely representative for trying to end a war. So nobody's expecting much. You sent your advisor on culture? I think we need less pop music and more ballet, or I think uh, flared jeans are coming back too soon. What the hell's the advisor on culture? Oh, this happened on Friday, by the way. Russia, which is running the UN Security Council, the United Nations Security Council, because they take terms, uh, they, they take turns, and Russia is a permanent member, and so it's currently their turn to run the meeting. Well, they voted and vetoed a UN resolution that would have condemned the country's invasion of Ukraine, and uh, it's got to be unanimous. So if anybody... Um, says no to it, it doesn't pass. What kind of a moronic organization is the UN? The country that is attacking another country is put in a position where they can veto a security resolution condemning the invasion. How stupid is that? Does that mean anything to anybody? Why does that even continue? Um, One separate story before we take a break. While the world's eyes are on Russia and Ukraine, and they should be, the Taliban in Afghanistan took the opportunity to start raiding homes in Kabul and looking for and detaining countless wartime allies left behind. All those people that helped us and we didn't get out of there. The Taliban saw, hey, nobody's paying attention now. We'll start going door to door and rounding up those interpreters and people that helped out the Americans. So uh world keeps spinning. Uh, other news doesn't stop just because we're all paying attention to Ukraine, and that's a horrible story right there. If you got any comment, I'd like to hear it. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. An update on what the economy's doing there in Russia. A lot of people were waiting to see with the sanctions being announced over the weekend. What would the stock market do? What would the ruble do? How bad a situation economically is Russia going to be in? We'll have an update on that next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When he had to humiliate his intelligence director on television, what does that mean? It means everybody around him is telling him what he wants to hear. He's living in a bubble. So who could stand up to him? Well, I think the Russian people could stand up to him. Now, the problem is that any, any of these, you know, the, the protests that we see, they're immediately put down. But it's worth noting, you know, there are more people in Russia's internal security service than there are in the Russian military at this moment. What does that tell you about how secure he is? There are more political prisoners in Russia than there were during the height of the Cold War. What does that tell you about how secure he is? So I think these totalitarian leaders, they can look, you know, they can look strong, but they're actually very brittle. And, you know, democracy, as we've been, you know, self-flagellating for, for the last several years, I mean, as ugly as democracy is, democracies are actually pretty darn resilient. And you mm-hmm. see that with Ukrainians. And I hope the Ukrainians inspire confidence in all of us uh, across the free world. The Ukrainians and their president are inspiring uh, everyone in the world. It's quite a story to follow. And you are a hard-hearted, cold-hearted person. 
if you were if, if it doesn't get to you when you see the videos of this president um uh, talking about how he's going to stay and fight and the Ukrainian people are going to stay and fight. Here's an example. So he was speaking the other night, and uh, the translator was on there because, um, you know, people speak Russian and Ukrainian in that country, and and uh, she was translating. Um, and she uh, she starts to break down at the end, which you'll hear in just here in a little bit. But let me tell you what he was saying. Oh, let, let's listen to this first, and then I'll tell you what, what it was he said at the close that got to her. Russland is on the way to the Russland must its voice in the UN lose. Ukraine, we know exactly what we are defending. That's something when the translator can't hold it together, um, and I don't blame her. He ended by saying, when I planned to become president, I said that each of us is the president because we are responsible for our state, for our beautiful Ukraine. And now it has happened that each of us is a warrior, and I'm confident that each of us will win. You know, I think one of the reasons this is having such an impact on me and everyone around the world is everything has been performative for so many years. Everything has been phony. Practically everything everybody says is an act. And even if they mean it, they're hyping it up way beyond what is real. So it's either uh, phony or hyperbole. Everything has been that way for so long. To hear somebody saying, I mean, there, there, is, there is nothing at all phony or hyperbole about the conversations you've been hearing out of Zelensky and his people. I don't know if you've seen the video. I tweeted it out the other night. New York Times had it. When he's on the street, because Russia was putting out propaganda that Zelensky had left the country. And so he does a selfie video in the dark down on the street, and he's in his uh, camo gear, and so are all the people of his cabinet. And it's him and the vice president and the people of his cabinet, and they're all standing there, and he says, we're here. I'm here. The vice president is here. We're not going anywhere. You know, long live Ukraine. We're going to fight for our country. There is nothing phony about that at all. Those guys all know they could be dead at any moment and maybe die a horrifying death if they're captured by Russian soldiers and their families. Zelensky hasn't gotten his wife and kids out. Have you seen the picture of him with his wife and kids? That beautiful picture? He's laying it all on the line. Him and so many Ukrainians laying it all on the line. There is nothing fake or phony about this. And we're so used to the opposite. And I think it's just, it's hitting us in a spot that uh, that we haven't been hitting in a while. I mentioned this earlier. The long lines of cars or people walking, it's a 20-hour walk from Kiev to the Polish border. But a lot of families have done it. Moms and kids, mostly. Because the dads and the brothers and the uncles and the grandpas are staying behind to fight pretty much no matter what the age is. And when you get to the border, saw a whole bunch of footage of this, it's amazing what the the countries around there, Poland, they've got people lined up there on the border. They got a hot meal and new shoes and and, and, and point, and get you on a bus and send you some direction as the Polish people are opening up their homes so uh, people have some place to stay. And in Poland announced that you don't need to have an ID, we'll, we'll, we'll welcome you in. But there at the border, you got women and kids going out. You got Ukrainian men coming in from all across Europe. 
lots of them, droves of men that are walking in the country to fight one of the biggest, most powerful militaries on the planet because they care about their country. You know, you think sometimes in our cynical age, our snarky age, that that sort of thing is gone, is dead, but it is not. I think Putin maybe was counting on the fact that that sort of thing was dead and gone. People being able to, you know, summon up the courage to fight for their country, and then the rest of the world coming to help out another country and completely flipping their positions, like specifically Germany did over the weekend, going from, no, no, we can't give any arms, and and none of the countries we give arms to can give any arms to. Absolutely. Give your arms to Ukraine. We'll start giving arms to Ukraine. Uh, Germany increasing their budget for NATO. Now we're sending more stuff. And as Mike Lyons told us at the beginning of this hour, if you didn't hear it, and this is an important point, because I'd been wondering this all weekend, how long does it take for those arms to actually get in the hands of the soldier? Lyons was saying, and he knows about logistics, this is what he did for a living in uh, in wartime situations. He says within 24 hours, some of that stuff could be showing up in Ukraine and could be pointed at a Russian tank or a Russian soldier. That is freaking awesome. Freaking awesome. Uh, Russia taking a heck of a hit economically. The ruble is now worth less than a U.S. penny. Uh, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Putin. What what turned the tide for a lot of these European leaders? I've got that story for you coming up if you haven't heard it. There's a particular moment over the weekend that may have changed everything for the future of Ukraine and uh, and and those people, and maybe for the future of Putin if he ends up losing. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.